Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. In 2022, a pair of former ball players and a talented young broadcaster were tasked with creating a college football podcast. These men promptly escaped into the mountains of West Virginia and got to work. If you want top-level football analysis, off-topic stories, and locker room humor, you're in the right place. You are in the gun. Episode 21, time for some Halloween fun. It's a TCU preview here on your new favorite WVU football podcast. Wesley Euler with the best teammates in the business. A runaway beer truck, Owen Schmidt down the sideline. And the signal caller who stands on the sideline during games, Jed Drenning. Gentlemen, we're back. We're the three best friends that anybody could have. Owen was on assignment earlier in the week, but we got him back in time for the Halloween episode, baby. I think you know how the SEALs have Hell Week, the Navy SEALs. I think this is Owen's Brown Week or Hell Week at UPS. I think they're, they're putting him through some of it, you know. If this is our Halloween episode, when we go to break, I'm going to have to bring my Halloween costume on here. I wondered. <laughs> I wondered. Is it, is it a UPS uniform? <laughs> it isn't, but it's something pretty neat, I guess. Okay. We might have to check. Uh, that's, that's what we call a tease, right, Wes? That is what we in this business call it is a tease. A tease. Uh-huh. This episode of ITG, folks, is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup information, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long always the fastest and easiest way to bet your favorite sports and events whether that's the nfl the nba the nhl mma tennis boxing or even golf so head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit make sure to use the promo code believe when you sign up to receive your rewards that's b-l-e-a-v bet online where the game Starts, gentlemen. We've got some headlines to get to here before we get into it. Uh, first one here: uh, three thirty kickoff for Iowa State on uh, on November fifth, which is uh, obviously not this weekend for the TCU game, but the weekend afterwards when the Mountaineers travel to Ames there to take on the Cyclones. That will be a three thirty kickoff. And also, we've got uh, injury updates for WVU and TCU, gentlemen. It's not great. Tony Mathis has been ruled out. Justin Johnson is to be determined. James Gamitter out. Lance Dixon, out. Rashad Ajayi, out. Uh, Wesley McCormick, probable. Charles Woods, hopeful to play limited again. And Sean Martin, closer to full speed. Sounds like he's probable to go as well, too. But uh, all of a sudden here, you're kind of getting to that point in the season, and it's uh, it's a laundry list of of injuries, uh, obviously with some key Mountaineers there listed. I mean, this time of year, Owens, everybody's hurt. 
but we're talking about kids that are beyond hurt. They're injured, right? And injured makes you incapable. And I'll tell you, Charles had a big ankle wrap on Saturday when he was going. And uh, we got out of him what we could. We, we knew we wouldn't get a whole lot out of him from a snap count standpoint. Uh, he was on street clothes by the end of the game. Uh, he didn't re-aggravate anything, nothing like that, like Wes and I talked about in the last episode. He just, that's what we could get out of him. Now let's see if McCormick goes because we're going to need him. We're going to need some more out of Charles. But that running back room, step up CJ, step up Jalen Anderson. Uh, we'll see what's going to happen or not happen with Justin. But Tomas Remack, you know, that's uh, that's a kid that played pretty well in, uh, in place of committer. You hate to, to see uh, James miss time like that, but the young guy gets an opportunity. And, and he actually played decent football uh, in his first time out as a starter. So, but that time of year, right, Owen? Yeah, it's just getting that point of the season where uh, those, those little nagging injuries are starting to uh, add up. Mm-hmm. and uh got to take care of your body man got to take care of your body the best you can um not saying that nobody is but you know you have to be a professional in today's game in the collegiate game uh and understand you know what it takes i remember you know i played hurt a lot um throughout the seasons that i played and uh you know a lot of cold tub a lot of treatment a lot of stem um you know, just, just getting in there and getting it done, you know, leaving class, you know, after class running over and getting treatment for 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. You got to keep yourself healthy. You got to get that nutrition in you. Got to stay hydrated and got to stretch, you know, and, uh, and hopefully these guys that we do got hurt, you know, they can end up coming back here, um, you know, renewed and uh, with some fresh legs because we're going to need it. It's well said by someone who's been there, certainly. Yeah, uh, you, you got a, a heck of a stretch here. Still TCU, then you go to Ames. Um, there's Kansas State on the schedule. There's Oklahoma on the schedule. There's Oklahoma State on the schedule. Things certainly aren't uh, slowing down at all here. So, yeah, hopefully um, some good fortune heading forward in, in, uh, in the health department for those guys. You know, I was trying to think this whole time, these four or five minutes that we've started this episode – the whole time I've been trying to think, how do I come up with a clever transition into the headline of Texas A&M players suspended for smoking weed in the locker room? And I got nothing. I, I had about five minutes here. The whole time you guys were talking, I've been trying to think of something quirky. Hey, how can I make a funny joke here? But that's the headline. Texas A&M players suspended for smoking weed in the locker room. And gentlemen, is somebody who has no problem with smoking weed and may even dabble himself. <laughs> What are you doing? I mean, what a bunch of idiots! That's just that's that's inexcusable. It really is. And I like I said, and this is coming from somebody who has no problem with weed smoking. But I mean, pick pick a different place. Well, whether you do or you don't, uh, that's just it. Uh, there's there's a certain sacred nature to the locker room. There's things you don't do in the locker room, right? And uh, I mean, even if you're 18, 19, whatever the case might be, you should know better. Uh, it's, I, you know, I'm, I'm quite certain it's, it's not about the infraction. It's about the venue. And uh, when you, when you get caught doing something in, in the locker, I, come on, you're, you're not going to go in there and drink a case of beer. You're, you're not going to go in there and do anything except it's, it's all business or fun when you win. And uh, that's a different kind of fun. It's, it's, you know, I, it doesn't matter which side of the fence you are with smoking weed, not smoking weed. It's just, that's not the place for it. Yeah. You know, that's not yeah. the place for anything like that. You, 
you it speaks to the fact you're you're not treating that place the way it needs to be treated yeah i keep envisioning in my head i'm obviously i'm sure it was some sort of like a you know, a, a vape pen apparatus, I'm sure some, they're not like taking bong rips in the <laughs> locker room. You know what I'm saying? Like, or they got one of the big old Cheech Chong uh, buns, you know, like, but uh, I mean, I just don't get it, man. I, I don't, you know, From East you in, College Station. before you walked in, you know what I mean? I, there's just, there's no, it's a lack of respect, right? A lack yeah, of discipline. Uh, which is which is unfortunate, you know. What I mean, because that school has a rich history of tradition. So, um, who knows how that's going to get handled? I can um, definitely imagine what it would have been like back in the day when I was playing under the coaches I was playing for. How it would have been handled? Um, you know, that's for another time, another story. I guess. You'd still but, be running uh, law school hill, huh? <laughs> yeah, I'd still be puking my guts up the whole time, man. I mean. Well, and and. That's the nature of an 18-year-old kid. You give them a little rope, they want to be a cowboy. And Jimbo recognizes that. They just lost a game on the road at South Carolina. So it's almost like, yeah, maybe coach is distracted here. How much can I get away with? Well, you better lay the law down quickly to, to reestablish the fact that, okay, here's the line. Yep. Yeah. And the line is no doing drugs in the locker room. Right. Dang it. Uh, final thing here as we, uh, as we get ready to head to our first break, it is obviously Halloween week in Morgantown. There have been some, uh, some memorable games around this time of year, certainly on the road at home in Morgantown as well too. Jed, I know you have been up all week putting together this, these lovely graphics, these Halloween edition ITG graphics. Uh, what do we got here, uh, in terms of, uh, some big Halloween games in Morgantown throughout the years? Well, I wanted to infuse, since it's Halloween week, infuse some Halloween flavor into the proceedings, right? And first of all, autumn's always been my favorite season. October's always been my favorite month. I always say when you die and go to heaven, it's 12 months of October, in part because of the season and the foliage and the color, but obviously in part because of football. And what says more about if you're in West Virginia uh, than deep, knee-deep in autumn, the Mountaineer football. And when you look back, even in recent history, the last three or four decades, there have been some pretty meaningful or notable win or lose uh, matchups right around Halloween weekend, Halloween week in Morgantown. And what we're doing is we're posting some here on the board for you to look at. There's five for different reasons, uh, starting with last year. You remember all we heard when a ranked Iowa State team came to town was we had absolutely no chance, Right. Uh, Brock Purdy was the master October. of October. He'd never lost in October. Brocktober, Brocktober, Brocktober. That's all we heard. Well, we pulled a Brocktober surprise for a nice upset win. We'll get into later in the show our wins over ranked teams and in history. That was one of them right there. A couple years ago, another big win over a ranked team on Halloween Day. Uh, Kansas State came to town and uh, we blew the doors off them. It was the fourth largest blowout West Virginia has ever had of a ranked team. Uh, on Halloween Day. And then ESPN Game Day was in town Halloween weekend for the November 1st game. Back when we were cooking with gas, as was TCU, they were number 10 in the country. We lost a heartbreaker at the end there. But again, notable because ESPN Game Day was in town. <clears throat> 1986. And you guys are obviously going to be, you know, uh, getting a taste of this later in the show. Jack Fleming's famous Halloween scene setter. Yes, there was a loss to Penn State. Uh, but nevertheless, that doesn't take away or detract 
from the iconic status of that scene setter that Jack wrote and delivered so perfectly, Halloween weekend with Penn State coming to town, the, the, North, the invaders from the North. And then 1984, Penn State, that was approaching Halloween weekend, October 27th. We all know what happened there with the big 17 to 14 win. It was, we snapped the streak. It was West Virginia's first win over Penn State since Moby Dick was a guppy. What Mountaineer fan doesn't recall that growing up in this state as one of the signature moments of the Don Nealon era or your West Virginia fandom at large? So uh, again, I, I think there is a nexus. There is a connection between the cool feelings surrounding the Halloween holiday this time of year and Mountaineer football. I mean, Owen, you were involved in some games, some on the road. Uh, around Halloween but it's just a really as a football player especially it's just a really cool time of year as October turns the page to November right there at the the, the turn of the corner between those two months and the Halloween holiday yeah kind of like you were saying I mean it's football season right now yeah. full effect leaves are changing temperatures are starting to cool down a little bit um, there's a, a definite sense of this is is the season for some uh for some absolute head knockers. Um, I just, there's one here that I was looking at was the, the Louisville overtime game. Um, instant classic on ESPN. Yeah. What a game, man. Um, we're getting schlacked at the beginning of the game. Uh, I think we're down by like, what was it? 17 points or something. It might have been more than that. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, you know what, Pat White, ends up just having an absolute game. Um, it ends so up going big. into OT. I think Steve had like six touchdowns in that game somehow because of the overtime as well. Um, I was lucky to have a couple. I was going to say runs. somebody on this podcast here had a, had a couple pretty big carries in that game, Some particularly in overtime. Like had yeah, a big I was, to start I, off that last overtime. Some yeah. big, what was his yeah, those were, uh, those were something. probably two, two runs in my career that I definitely fully enjoy watching, uh, the film. You know what I mean? Uh, they were, they were good ones. A lot of, a lot of yak or, yeah. uh, not yak, but, uh, however you Yards after, Yards contact. after contact. I'll take yeah. it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of yak. Um, uh, but there were some good ones there. A couple guys getting run over. A uh, couple good, couple good shots there. Very determined I was, yeah. but yet I still you couldn't get in the end zone. <laughs> well, what did you get down to like the four or something, the three, something like that? But yeah, I got got down there. But I was jacked up, man. I I'll tell you one funny story about. Uh, I think it was like maybe the the first overtime or whatever that I I got in the running. Jeremy Shep, I was so hyped up. I think I got tackled on like the two. I was so hyped up. I get up, dude. I'm just like, I'm like straight up like bushwhacker style. <laughs> and Jeremy Sheffy happens to be the victim right in front of me. And he goes to headbutt me, dude. And I just, I just, I mean, literally you see his neck like snap backwards. <laughs> like I was so jacked up, man. You compressed um, his L5. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Serious. But uh, what a game, man. And then there's just some other – I mean, we've got the Rutgers game as well. Uh, the the big Your shellacking. Your uh, famous picture. Wasn't that right around Halloween up yep. at Rutgers? Yep. Yeah. Dale Sparks uh, took a, a – you know, that's been an iconic picture. Well, hell, that's our uh, 
It's our belief picture. That's our belief right. picture. Yeah. Um, hey, hold on. It's so, on the back of my shirt right now. Ah, uh, there you go. Uh, Perfect. There you go. There you go. ITGfootball.com. Thank okay. you. Get them while they're hot off the press. You know, these, when it's in the air, Owen, and, and I remember the Louisville game, the 05 win you were talking about. That's the only game. Of course, I was only doing the pregame then. So I didn't have to do any in-game stuff, any post-game stuff. So I just got to do the pregame. Then I enjoyed the game as a fan. Well, I always got tickets from Rich, right? So I'd use the tickets from Rich to get in. But then, you know, I'd kind of hunt. And it was like a hunting pass. And I'd go wherever. I thought there were some interesting seats. Well, me and my buddy, that's the only time I ever did this. I actually sat right up in the middle of the Louisville section, the visiting seating section. I was surrounded by a small sea of red, okay? And what an interesting place that was to be as that comeback started to unfold. But it, it was that time of year, you know, pushing late October, the crisp was in the air and here come the Mountaineers. It was, it was Nirvana. I mean, everything about that was just so freaking awesome. And then you go barreling down inside the five. And I mean, it reached a point late in that game. We were just offensively leaning on them so much. You're like, they're going to break. <laughs> just like they can't keep pace they're eventually going to blink okay and sure enough we stopped the two-point conversion and that was that but i think we could have scored in the next 10 overtime possessions though you it know it's good, you know i know we talked about this previously but having a sense of like team conf confidence or having that yeah. guy or or that spark you know the guy who's just always going to make a play uh and and that was that was we had a couple of them that year uh fortunately for us but pat was just the whole time in that game, when we start, when we scored that first one to, to the, you know, to start the start of the comeback, when he made that long run to, to tie it up there for OT, it was, it was like, you knew it was going to happen. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. You knew it was going to happen. And we haven't had kind of, we just haven't had that spark uh, or that um, player in the last couple of years. We, we've had it with, with Tavon and those guys afterwards, Gino and, and those, and those guys, but uh, it's kind of since, you know, it's kind of faded away. We could, we need a player like that, right? We need a guy yeah. to take control of the game and, and be able to flip those games around when we need them. Yeah. For sure. Well said, well said. We got to get to our first break here. When we come back, we will hear that Halloween setter, uh, scene setter, the famous one by Jack Fleming uh, on Halloween against Penn State. Uh, talking about the invaders from the north, we'll hear all that when we get back. We'll uh, we'll continue this uh, this TCU preview episode. We'll talk a little bit more about some other uh, Halloween memories in Morgantown as we go along here as well. Too Wesley Euler, Jed Drenning, Owen Schmidt, you are in the gun. I'm talking with Jr. Toothman of Toothman Ford. Jr. Everybody knows a lot of pro athletes buy from you. What's the secret? Just like Will Greer, future Hall of Famer Frank Gore, James Washington, and many more pros, these guys have financial advisors that are always looking out for them to save time and money, and that's why they always shop at Toothman Ford. And what if you're like us regular folks that don't have people giving us advice? You don't need a financial advisor. Toothman Ford will save you time and money no matter who you are. Plus, we'll buy your car even if you don't buy from us. Visit ToothmanFord.com and get a quick, instant cash offer. That sounds like a score to me. That's right. And as always, we'll take anything in trade from chicken wings to Super Bowl rings. Toothman Ford's got a lot of fans. Here's another one. Dallas Cowboys QB, Will Greer. 
This is Will Greer, former West Virginia and current NFL quarterback. And cars really do cost less than Grafton at Toothman Ford. That's a fact, Will. Thanks. You can shop online anytime at ToothmanFord.com. Let's go, Mountaineer fans. You're tuned in to In the Gun with Wes, the runaway beer truck, and the signal caller. Back in the gun here as we get you ready for TCU and some memorable Halloween weekends in Morgantown. Wasn't the most memorable result, as Jed laid out earlier and as we showed you on the screen, as WVU ended up losing by three scores to Penn State. But Jack Fleming's classic Halloween scene setter will live forever. I, you know, it's funny, Jed, when I when I saw this, you know, pop up here, um, it's the same week that we got confirmation from the Big Ten side of things, but nonetheless, uh, that WVU Penn State will be, you know, Labor Day weekend next year, opening up there in Happy Valley like we all knew, but Penn State releasing their schedule, so it's officially official. And the, one of the first things I thought was, I guarantee you as we get closer to that game, a lot of people are going to uh, unearth that Jack Fleming clip and a lot of you know younger Mountaineer fans, maybe like my age and younger, who didn't grow up WVU-obsessed like I did, uh, yeah. are going to be seeing that for the first time. There'll be a whole new generation of WVU fans who are going to see this for the first time, uh, again, once we approach September and Labor Day and obviously a, a long way away from now when WVU opens up the 2023 season again uh, at Penn State there in Happy Valley at Beaver Stadium. But for those of you who have seen this a hundred times, maybe if it's your first time here, uh, Jack Fleming's classic Halloween scene setter. Uh, few did it better. Few have done it like this ever since. Take a listen. Nighttime in Morgantown, West Virginia, on the campus of West Virginia University, Halloween weekend, and the goblin riding in on a broom is wearing a sport coat, a sweater, and a red tie. His graying hair is parted neatly on the left side. And topping off a prominent nose and a persistent frown is a pair of eyeglasses. The trademark of one of the nation's most successful football coaches, Joe Paterno. Joe is accompanied here by a frightening group of white-clad ghosts. The number two ranked and undefeated Nittany Lions of Penn State. A frightening scene, but Don Nealon's Mountaineers enjoy walking in where angels fear to tread. So tonight, in ideal autumn weather... They will meet the invaders. They will do battle as a prohibitive underdog, but they will play this game with the knowledge that anything can happen in football on any given night, on any given field. It can happen, and they want it to happen tonight. The state of West Virginia is wired in on MSN for this effort, and it will be our pleasure to describe the action as these two old rivals get together. So light up your pumpkins, put on your scariest Halloween mask, and keep that radio close by as the hills of West Virginia resound with the sounds of Golden Blue football. And the West Virginia University Mountaineers are on the air. And I have heard that, seen that dozens of times, still gives me chills every single time. Jack Fleming, the absolute best, an absolute legend. Uh, mm. There was, Jed, just to, to clarify for our audience too, uh, a little bit at that end of the clip where there was some some just some noise there and you might have been a little confused. That's because there was a, a video honoring uh, Jack Fleming. But um, obviously for me too, just a, a quick piece of background, you know, he was – uh, the voice of the Steelers in the Steel Curtain days. So for me, a, a you know a Pittsburgh-born kid with the initials WVU who pursued a career in broadcasting, uh, it doesn't get much cooler than me or Jack Fleming. Called four Super Bowls for the Steelers, was the most iconic voice of the Mountaineers. 
and uh, certainly has, a, I think, a special place uh, in, the, in the hearts of, of Gold and Blue Nation. Well, it's, as, as I touched on earlier, it's where my favorite things in the world intersect. You know, autumn, Halloween, Mountaineer football. Uh, and, and I'm an old soul, okay? I've always been accused of that, accurately so, which means I love radio, right? <laughs> I love radio. I've always loved radio. And so WVU Weapon X, that's the, uh, the outfit uh, that produced this video that's on YouTube. You can look it up under, you know, Jack Fleming's classic Halloween scene. It's, 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 it. it's easy to find. But uh, I, I like the fact that he introduced it with the, the old school radio dials and the commercial breaks. and Everything about that gives you chills. I mean, it is just absolutely off the hook. Cool, Owen. He's listening to us. Sorry about that, bud. <laughs> my bad. No. Like he, was we so, earlier, he was so entranced by Jack there. He just. I was listening to a little piece of it here. Um, no, I mean, classic, obviously not being from West Virginia, uh, and, uh, being introduced to all these, uh, classic names, understanding like Tony's the guy that I'm always going to remember. Uh, by the way, congratulations, Tony. Yeah. Um, big week HOF. So big deal, big deal for him. Uh, but that's going to be the guy that I always remember. And that's going to be the guy that, uh, you know, my son will probably remember. Um, but Jack Fleming, just like all those classic radio guys uh, and voiceovers, I mean, so many to think of come to mind. I mean, John Madden's Pat Summer, all those guys in the NFL. Um, but what a classic one for WVU. And like you said, it just ties everything together, the change of the seasons. Well said. Yeah, some good memories there. Speaking of good memories, folks, I I wasn't kidding earlier when I said that, you know, Jed has stayed up all week getting ready for this episode. He is ready to go for a top 10 showdown with TCU. He's ready to go on Halloween weekend. And I know you stayed up all all week here. If if, if Jedgar Allan Poe is your poet name, I'm going to have to come up with a scientist name for you here. Professor Schmidt's already taken (laughs) Right. <laughs> Mr. Scientist. He went into he went into uh he went into Jed Drenning's laboratory and he uh cooked up some information in the lab late one night on uh when WVU over the years has played some top twenty five teams, some yeah. highly ranked teams, particularly some of those instances where they're coming off maybe a blowout embarrassing loss the week before. So Jed, I know you've broken this down into two parts, yeah. uh pre two thousand and post two thousand. We'll start with the more ancient history, right? We'll go pre-2000 here. Uh, pull up the graphic. What do you got for us? Yeah, we'll pull up the graphic and put it on screen. But for those listening, we'll walk you through some of the, the more salient points here. What, what we try to look at, it's an exercise in saying, okay, first of all, it's less than 50 wins against ranked teams all time. And what I did was I isolated the regular season wins, uh, which is the vast majority of them, because I wanted to see what played out the game before we beat the top 25 team. So in other words, did you win the game before? Did you lose the game before? If so, by how much? And here's what I discovered. First of all, if you break it down pre-2000, they started taking the the Associated Press poll began in what, 1935, 1936? West Virginia's first win over a ranked team was against Pitt in 1952. So for example, when West Virginia beat Pitt, we have two columns on here. And for those listening, I'm going to post this on our Twitter uh, handle as well. So you'll be able to look at this graphic visually. 
So the week before our first ever win against the top 25 team, we beat Washington and Lee 31 to 13. That'll give you some indication as to what we're looking at. So what we're going to be combing through here is what happened uh, the week before we beat all these ranked teams. And what you're going to see is not often have we beat a ranked team coming off of a loss. Only one in five or so of these are following a loss. Now, of course, the reason I'm doing this is we have the seventh ranked team in the country marching into town and we're coming off uh, a, a curb stomping loss, 38 points, 48 to 10 down in Lubbock, right? Uh, so we'll, as we transition out of the pre-2000s into the post-2000s here in a minute, we'll get to the biggest loss we ever suffered the week before the game before beating a ranked team. But I just thought it was kind of interesting to look at this. And what I did learn was only 10 times in the regular season have we lost a game and then followed that loss up, irrespective of the score, with a win over a ranked team. And the other thing that you notice hasn't happened a whole lot, like TCU's coming to town, riding the crest of four consecutive wins over ranked teams. We've never done that. It's not often we'd beat back-to-back -back ranked teams. That's only happened a short handful of times in the program's history. So we've been playing football since 1891. They've been keeping the Associated Press poll since the mid-1930s, and we don't have 50 of these. So to lend some perspective, Alabama has 61 wins over AP-ranked teams since 2010 which that's the most in college football, okay? Oklahoma, of course, has the most in the Big 12, which I think they're in the 30s. Uh, Alabama's way out in front of everybody. But so we've taken a look at the pre-2000s, a lot of them under Coach Nealon, of course. It's interesting to see the further you go back, the more stretched out they get, the more stretched out they become. Yeah. Now, as we transition into post-2000, we're going to pull that graphic up. What's interesting is we've had just about as many roughly just in the regular season i'm saying since 2000 as we had from the mid 1930s up to 2000 so we're averaging roughly one a year ish okay uh and if you look at these things once again you'll see it's not that often that we come off a loss and then beat a ranked team like we're trying to do this week that will be the endeavor that will be the challenge okay uh when you're written off those make for the most interesting upsets if, in fact, they ever play out. But, Owen, we'll hit on a couple here that you played in. Uh, look at 2005, the Louisville game we talked about. The week before that, you guys won at Rutgers 27-14. to See how I did this? So, jump to 2006, you guys had the big triple overtime battle with Rutgers when Jared had to step in for Pat. Yep. Um, the week before that was that homecoming weekend, South Florida loss, right? So, uh, and that was that George Selby fumble return game, but Anyway, this brought up a lot of memories. So you see how we did that? You guys won back-to-back -back, uh, games against ranked teams, against Rutgers, against Cincinnati, uh, against, oh, excuse me, Cincinnati and UConn, I should say. But uh, So anyway, you see how we did this. But what the, if you're asking or wondering, what's the biggest loss from a margin of defeat standpoint? Because, again, we're coming off a 38-point loss in Lubbock. Is it even possible to hope for this? Well, the biggest loss we ever suffered, and that's on this part of the grid, post-2000, before upsetting a ranked team. In 2013, you might remember, uh, we went down to M&T Bank Stadium and laid one heck of an egg oh, against Maryland in the rain. This. No, not this one, 37 to nothing. Oh, I mean, it may almost to some extent what happened in Lubbock last week look like 
you know, a Da Vinci work of art. <laughs> Real quick, if you remember in one of the very first episodes we ever did of this show, somehow we were talking about that game too, and I said it was the only time in my life that I didn't wish I was in a WVU game. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Because it's pissing so, rain, and we just got absolutely yeah. murdered. We got beat 37 to nothing, and the next game out, unbeaten Oklahoma State came to town, ranked number 11 in the country, and wouldn't you know it, Clint, Clint Trickett's first career start. We pulled the upset the game after getting beat 37 to nothing with less than 200 yards offense and all that. But, again, I just thought it was kind of an interesting exercise to look at this and something else to consider. Look, I'm not projecting. I'm not predicting anything. It's not what this is about. I mean, I just like to line up facts, line up history, line up numbers, and, and present things and, and try and make it interesting. So if you're looking at some historical perspective and what con put this in context, what it would mean, what's the likelihood mathematically to win a game against a ranked team of any kind, not just a top 10 team, but a ranked team. We've only done it 10 times in our history during the regular season. Okay. During the regular season. So this would be the biggest win. If you somehow find a way as seven and a half point dogs to pull an upset, this would be, from a margin of defeat standpoint, the biggest one mathematically in history. Now, bear in mind, I told you guys this uh, during a break a little bit ago. Sonny Dykes, who brings TCU to town at 7-0, has had a 7-0 or better start in three of the last four seasons. Half a dozen times since 2012, he's been 5-0 or better. And those 7-0 starts, he had two 7-0 starts, and I'm going back to his time at SMU. He had two 7-0 starts including the one at TCU, but he also had an 8-0 start. And it's about late October that, you know, he hit the wall. It came undone. So, in other words, we'll get into the TCU breakdown after a bit, but there's a lot of things to look at, a lot of things to consider to make this whole thing interesting. Uh, and, again, if you're going to pull an upset, the greatest upsets that ever took place, first of all, they, they've taken place when we were much more than a seven-and-a-half-point dog, yeah. right? Yeah. But they all have one thing in common. Nobody gave you any chance, and they had a whole long list of reasons why this one's different than the other ones that you upset people, and this one you really do have no chance. So who knows? But, but I, again, I'm not predicting. I'm not projecting. I'm just saying historically it's pretty interesting to line this out. But look at uh, In The Gun Podcast on Twitter, and we'll post all this stuff so people can take a, a more thorough look at it and, and glance through it, and we'll look forward to their comments. So, Jed, what you're really saying is – it's only happened 10 times. That's right. In the regular season. Because it's tough to say in a bowl game because you might have lost. Hey, we won't point out the Owen, specific game. You know what's better than you know what's better than 10 times, my dog? <laughs> 11 times. <laughs> How many so games? Let's, let's make that a new stat, eh? Since 1891 yeah. or 1935, let's go, uh, 36. 10 times. Well, let's so go the that, double hockey sticks on TCU you and make it 11. There you go. So there's your math. So you're telling me there's a chance. So there's your toy Christmas moment, right? Yeah. And totally redeem What's all this one in a million talk? All right. Well, speaking of, you know, Jed said we're not doing any predictions or projections there. Not just yet, but when we come back here, we will. We'll take a look at some top 25 games across the country. We'll look at the Big 12 slate this weekend, and we'll give our uh, predictions that we make here. Signal caller, beer truck, defense of the week, all that good stuff on the other side. You are in the gun. 
For nearly 20 years, Fortis has been the nation's leader in providing guaranteed roof performance programs for commercial buildings. Fortis offers roof performance solutions that feature extensive initial and ongoing reconditioning for commercial buildings as an alternative to traditional replacement with long-term performance guarantees that are backed by global leader Lloyd's of London. Fortis offers a comprehensive range of roof performance management programs that provide financial security, extend the life of our customers' roofs, and make a significant impact on ROI. Fortis is currently improving performance and increasing ROI for customers at more than 4,800 locations, with more than 140 million square feet protected, including many Fortune 500 companies that have turned to Fortis to save money, gain financial certainty, and extend the life of their existing roofs. Fortis has helped customers save more than $520 million in capital roof replacement costs for an average ROI of over 250%. To learn more, visit fortis.us.com. Fortis, roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed. Mountaineer Nation, have you visited us online? For great gifts and gear and our entire episode playlist, check out itgfootball.com. It's time to take a look here at what Vegas thinks we think we think in the gun here. This is episode number 21. Folks, uh, on all of our preview episodes, we take a look at some other games in the top 25, in the Big 12 Conference. We make some projections, not predictions just yet, but projections. Jed, a little bit thinner in the uh, top 25 matchups mm. this week than it has been the last few weeks. Yeah, it's kind of lean. Uh, pull it up and we'll take a look. Only a couple featured games that we're looking at to try and make our projection. But again, real quickly, we'll revisit how this works sometimes we get pretty close to hitting these things is what makes it interesting but it's it's not not rocket science we're just looking at point spreads and over-unders so in the case of Ohio State's trip to Happy Valley we just talked about the Big Ten announcing its 2023 schedule they wanted to beat us to the punch ours will probably come if I'm going to guess sometime in the next month imminently six weeks that's always a, a cool moment when we do that but Ohio State heading to Happy Valley as 15 and a half point favorites over under floating in the low 60s, Vegas has it, Vegas has a peg like at uh, 61. So we're projecting an Ohio State win, something in the ballpark of 38 to 23 uh, when you run the numbers. And then jumping down to uh, the SEC, Kentucky heading to those magical Tennessee volunteers at Nayland in Knoxville. Uh, Tennessee keeps taking care of business, but I'll tell you what, they better take care of businesses against this one because there's a sore, upset Kentucky team. And uh, Tennessee is hosting Kentucky, and they are favored by 12 and a half. The over-under 63 and a half. Tennessee, we're looking at a 38-27 type projection for that one. Not, uh, not a ton, but I tell you what, those are two good ones. Ohio State, Penn State, Kentucky, Tennessee, those will at least, uh, in theory, I think, be, be very entertaining games. All right, Jed, to the Big 12 we go here. Uh, another full slate, another moving and shaking Saturday here across the conference. How do you think these play out? All right, let's start with this. Uh, we got uh, Oklahoma heading to Jack Trice Stadium in Ames to take on Iowa State, who is, of course, 0-4 in the Big 12. Believe it or not, Matt Campbell, Cyclones, 0-4. Uh, you know, one thing I've noticed about Oklahoma, uh, they're a different quarterback with their guy – or excuse me, a different team with their guy behind center. They really are. I mean, he didn't play for the Lions here, that TCU blowout. He didn't play at all against Texas. Their offense clicks in a whole different level when he's behind center. Uh, so 
Uh, can Gabriel make a difference? We'll see. Uh, this is a, an interesting one. Uh, Oklahoma minus one. We're looking at a 28 tight 27 win at Iowa State. Oklahoma State, Kansas State. This one's interesting in that the line started early in the week favoring Oklahoma State minus one, but it moved. So Kansas State, the last I saw, was favored by one and a half. Again, over under mid-50s. We're looking at another close one projecting Kansas State 30 to 27 over Oklahoma State. And then finally, Texas Tech, those Red Raiders favored by two and a half against the Baylor Bears at home, expecting something like 63 and a half points for an over-under. So we're looking at a projection of Texas Tech over the Baylor Bears, 34 to 31. Interesting, interesting line there. Yeah, no, that is, that certainly is. That Oklahoma State and Kansas State, how that swung as well too is – it's always something to keep an eye on when that happens. There's there's uh, obviously more behind that than, than just the pure what Vegas thinks is, is going to happen in the game. They're trying to influence the money there a little bit, as, as always, too. But, uh, yeah, certainly, certainly some ones to keep an eye on Saturday uh, before, during, and after uh, the Mountaineers kickoff. Well, I guess not before because there's nothing before noon, but you get it. Uh, now it's time for what the people really want to know here. That is, those are our projections. Now for the predictions. Uh. But it's time to update the standings, and uh, <coughs> we might have a new leader atop the board here. What does it say? Ja or as our British friends would say, let's take a look at the table. It's not a new leader. It's the same leader. You were winning last week. Come on. Oh, was it? Wait, I thought. Oh, yeah, no. Or was no, it two weeks ago that Owen was winning? Two weeks ago, I was. Two Listen, weeks maybe ago. Maybe I'm too humble was. then. All right. I need to get a that little was... more braggadocious here. Yeah. yeah. Whoa. Pump the brakes, kiddo. 28 <laughs> points for Wes with our scoring system, 20 for Owen, and 16 for me in my Whitey Herzog game of singles. I really screwed the pooch last week. I'm, I'm, Devin Neal's dead to me. He's yeah, dead to me. We knew that was coming. Dead to me. He's dead to three, me, man. You chose him three times, me. and he gave you one point. One point. Yeah. I mean, he's dead. Yeah. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, fool me three times. You're dead. Well, you're not gonna, you're not gonna fool me you're again. Dead to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. let's see. Uh, let's see how we can do this week. It's a fresh start for all of us. We'll start at the top, as always, with the signal caller, where Jed, trails, Jed tells us which uh, Big 12 quarterback will throw for the most yards this week. Jed, to dig you out of the basement, who are you putting your hopes on? I'm going with my boy. Uh, I looked at it. I pulled an audible. And go ahead and put it up on screen with the drum roll, please. And uh, JT Daniels. I'll get into the reasons why later. We have plenty wow. of time to talk about that in the matchup. Uh, I'll explain the why behind it later, but JT Daniels for West Virginia against TCU. I'm not going to spoil the whys behind it. I'll save that from TCU preview and we discuss who has the edge in the air, who has the edge on the ground. So I'll, I'll talk about it then. Moving on. Mr. I pass the Mr. baton. Mr. Big O, the Big 12 beer truck of the week, which running back will pace the way, lead the way. In rushing yards, Devin Neal is dead to you, so that means it's got to be somebody else. Who you got this week? I I blew it again, and I I, I was gonna go with uh, Bijan mustard sauce. Yeah, uh, but they obviously have a bye, 
They uh, Jed threw a flag on you on that one. Challenge yeah, flag, maybe. Jed. Horns down that one. Jed horns down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Eric Gray. Now, his last game was uh, was pretty saucy. And like Jed was saying, they just look a little bit different against or uh, with their quarterback. Now, I understand they're playing that stingy Iowa State defense but i don't think they got a shot i think he's gonna run all over him this week well i'm glad you said that brother because head to head here baby listen here <laughs> we got our first head-to-head matchup in the history of in the gun because i'm taking iowa state's defense baby oh yeah listen the cyclones couple things about them all right the defense has been pretty stout all year they've had oklahoma's numbers through the year and as jed just mentioned they won a conference game all season so they are p owed as you might imagine all right for all the kids out there that stands for pissed off i'm going with iowa state i'm going head to head with the beer truck now listen if i met owen in the hole in the gap it would not turn out well for me but in this instance in the worst case i'm gonna lose some points on the leaderboard so we'll have some fun <laughs> and uh and i'm gonna go with the iowa state cyclones as my big 12 defense this of is the week terribly intriguing so it certainly it's is gonna go listen. two ways Either really, really good for Wes <laughs> or really, really, really good for me. Well, actually, I'm hoping Dylan Gabriel throws for 428 yards and Oklahoma scores 42 points, <laughs> and then it goes good for me. <laughs> Jed's right there, man. He, he can overcome me. I, I mean, I, I see what he's doing. I talked a lot of smack. So all you got to do is keep scoring. <laughs> that's all you got. Yeah, that, yeah. That's that's all I have in me. I, I might be able to keep scoring. That's it. You know. Well, you know what? Jed said he didn't want to give anything away that he would get into the why he picked JT Daniels later on. Well, that later on is coming up here in just a minute. When we return on the other side, who's got the edge in the air? On the ground, special teams, intangibles, as we start to preview the Longhorns of Texas Christian University. We'll do that on the other side. This is In the Gun. Game day got you on the go? We get it. GoMart is here to keep you going all season long with stores throughout our home state. We're a proud West Virginia-owned company, and our friendly staff is committed to serving our communities. From fuel to freshly brewed coffee and snacks, a stop at GoMart to cover your game day needs is always a touchdown. Plus, GoMart Rewards members earn points with each purchase to redeem for discounts on gas and free items. So stop by, start saving, and stay on the go with GoMart. If you enjoy In the Gun, you'll love ITGfootball.com. Spread the word. Tell an ear to tell an ear. ITGfootball.com. All right, it's time to get to the main event here, the TCU preview. We're cannonballing in. It's what you've all been waiting for here on episode 21 of ITG, your new favorite WVU football podcast. So, without really giving anything away, Jed made it seem like he thinks WVU has the edge in the air. Now, real quick, for those who might be hopping on board here with us for the first time, every single preview episode, we discuss who we think has an edge in the air, edge Mm -hmm. on the ground, special teams and intangibles. So... If you've been listening to this entire podcast, you might have an inkling now. Jed just picked JT Daniels. Okay, that must mean he's pretty confident about WVU's advantage 
in the air, at least certainly on the offensive side of the football. So, Jed, I will come to you here on this first one because the anticipation is killing us, baby. All right. So who's got the edge in the air? I'm hoping to try and make a well-researched, compelling case. And then, in part, a gut feeling, okay? Okay. That's what makes it fun. Let's start with this. In hiring the critical spot as his D coordinator, okay, Sonny Dykes is the head coach at at TCU, had to replace an icon in Gary Patterson. I mean, every day they go to work, they walk past a bronze statue of the guy who built that program, and he built it through defense, right? They're the only team in the country that since 2000 has led the nation in total defense five times. That's what the pedigree of this program is about. So it was a critical hire, whoever he's going to put in that D.C. spot. He hired Joe Gillespie. Why? Because when Sonny Dykes was at SMU, uh, Joe Gillespie was at Tulsa. And if you can't beat him, hire him. Three times in four years, Tulsa beat SMU. He always struggled mightily against Joe Gillespie's system. He's an odd stat guy. Think Gibby. Think John Heacock at Iowa State. That's his system. That's his scheme. Okay. So it's much different than the 4-2-5 match quarters that we came to know and hate that Gary Patterson ran at TCU. But Gary Patterson, very obviously, after all the uh, defensive achievements, they'd lost their edge defensively a year ago. Uh, They were a dumpster fire defensively a year ago toward the bottom of the country in just about every key metric defensively. So they came into the season with questions unanswered going into camp. They didn't know who their three safeties were going to be. They didn't know who their three linebackers were going to be. They had to find a way to answer these questions. Now, to some extent, they obviously have, as they battled their way to an unbeaten 7-0 start. But they have coverage liabilities when you study them on tape at a couple key linebacker spots. They have coverage liabilities at a couple key spots. And on the back end, at safety. Two of those three safeties they found. Uh, look at a guy named Josh Foster. You'll see him wearing number 15. Uh, not great in space, okay? Uh, and then you've got another guy on the back end. You're going to be looking at a kid, a kid named Namidi Obiazor, and he covers about as well as I pronounce, okay? So he's going to be wearing number four, coverage liabilities there. Okay, now switch over to this side. West Virginia on the offensive side, you got JT Daniels as fierce a competitor he is, coming off not even close, the worst performance of his entire college career. You don't think he wants to step out and right the ship after what played out with him last week? Three picks. He wasn't productive. The, the offense wasn't sharp at all. Graham Harrell, that's the worst offensive performance he's ever put together since when he was at North Texas in 2016. He got shut out in the swamp by Florida and had 53 yards of total offense. The next week out, His offense at North Texas had 42 points. I think on some level you can expect a bounce-back effort from JT, a bounce-back effort from Graham Harrell. Bryce Ford Wheaton still leads the Big 12 in contested catches. He's number three nationally. Are you telling me the way that Sam James played, the way that Caden Prather played? Yes, they're going to have their hands full with a corner named Travius Hodges Tomlinson, okay? Again, the pedigree's there, the Tomlinson name, TCU. We know the connection. This kid has mere ability from a coverage standpoint, but he's 5'9", a buck 77. So when it comes to the 50-50 balls this week, okay, that Bryce is going to have an opportunity at, KP is going to have an opportunity at, a lot of them are going to be against a 5'9 corner. And I'll close with this. Yes, they're 7-0, but you guys want to take a guess 
which defense in the Big 12 was allowed the most completions of 30-plus yards? TCU. TCU. Do you want to take a guess as to which defense in the Big 12 has allowed the most passing yards in road games with 319? TCU. TCU. I'm going with a rebound from JT Daniels, which is why I picked him earlier. Now, I don't know how this translates in the scoreboard, but I do see an advantage for West Virginia. We could talk all the live long day about the advantages of having Max Duggan, a 69% completion, you know, rate, rate thrower. Uh, his passer rating has gone from 113 as a freshman to 134 as a sophomore, 157 a year ago, 181 this year. Yes, he has Quentin Johnston. Yes, he has Darius Davis. Yes, he has Tay Barber. They are dynamic. They're explosive across the board. They're not allowing a lot of sacks. They're in the middle of the pack. It isn't quite to where Sonny Dykes wants it, okay? When you're looking at TCU's pass game from a pass protection standpoint, SMU allowed the fewest sacks in the American Conference a year ago. He likes that quick game, but they're not quite there yet. Uh, and then, Sonny, excuse me, I, I'm going to close with this. Max Duggan, if you're trying to chop your front up and defend against the quick game, oh, and what do you do if you can't get the quarterback in the quick game? You get hands up, Right. You want to bat balls, deflect balls. Guess who has more batted balls than any quarterback in the Big 12? Max Duggan. So as dangerous as they might be, this is the closest thing I can find in talking myself into some kind of possible advantage that West Virginia might have, in part because I look for a bounce back with JT, in part because I look for a bounce back for Graham, but also in large measure because Against the pass, TCU has struggled more than any team in the Big 12 on the road, and they give up a lot of big plays in the pass game. There you go. Touche. All right, Owen. Who presents their counter-argument first, you or I? Go ahead, brother, because I'm telling you right now, I ain't got much faith. <laughs> Jed, I, I do love where your head's at. And I, I can certainly see the pride and talent of JT Daniels and the pride and talent of Graham Harrell in a, in a bounce-back response against a TCU secondary that certainly um, is not bulletproof. Let's just, let's just put it that way. But I'm going Horn Frogs here. When I, when I look at Max Duggan and 19 touchdowns, one interception on the year, when I look at them averaging nearly 300 pass yards per game, I know they have not played the schedule that WVU has played to this point. But at the same time, uh, for all those things you could say about TCU's secondary, big plays, some questionable stuff, at times maybe some communication issues on the back end as well too, we have all those same problems. I, I, I'm going with the, with the team that has been, has been throwing for nearly 300 yards in the air per game. I'm going with the quarterback that has a 19 to one touchdown to interception rate. I understand he gets a lot of balls batted at the line, but 19 to one touchdown to interception ratio. I can't talk myself out of that. Um, I'm, I'm going with TCU. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, man, I just, after seeing the response of us, uh, after getting our tails absolutely whipped, I understand we're competitors, right? But just like uh, um, Wes alluded, I mean, our secondary is a hurting unit. We're so banged up um, throughout the throughout the roster, uh, and, and those are guys that are just out. Uh, that's not even, you know, who knows how 
most the other team, uh, the rest of our team is doing. You know, I mean, I'm sure they're all banged up. Uh, we have played a, a rough uh, schedule up to this point. I just don't see us, and I understand we're at home. I get that, but I just we just haven't played ball. We just we just haven't, and progressively, um, the secondary is they've made no improvements. Uh, and I just think TCU's just, they're on fire right now. So can I change your mind with one final fact? If we can keep it tight, guess what quarterback has the highest rating in the Big 12 in a games they're tied or when his team's only trailing by one to seven points? JT Daniels. Max Duggan. Never mind. No, you trickster, Jay. Yeah, I'm a trickster. Yeah. All right, mister. I know you got any tricks up your sleeve, so who's got the edge on the ground, Mr. Signal Caller? All right. Somewhere this has to figure in, but I'm not sure where. Uh, the last two games against Texas Tech and against Baylor, uh, West Virginia has allowed, from a total yardage standpoint, the two highest total yardage counts since Neil Brown came to town. Uh, 594 against Baylor, 590 against Texas Tech. You're pushing 600 with both of them, the two highest. So, again, if you're looking to say something has to give, let's start with that, okay? Uh, now, if you want to look at what, what we're trying to do defensively against the run, uh, I'll tell you what, we're, we're middle of the pack. So, it's been relatively unremarkable. We're fifth in the Big 12. Uh, but the problem is, a week ago against Texas Tech, was probably the worst we looked against the run since the Minnesota game, right? And, you know, out in the desert and the bowl loss. Uh, but the larger issue is when you switch over to the other side, okay? TCU, here's the biggest problem. A year ago for the lion's share of the season, Max Duggan was playing injured with a hurt foot, okay? And that kind of limited what he could do because he has blistering speed when he's healthy. I mean, this is a guy who turned down Notre Dame to go to TCU. Uh, I mean, he's an athlete. Okay, so he's a guy who can tuck it. A couple of years ago, he tucked it and took it 80 against Texas Tech. So, I mean, he has running back speed, elite speed. So he's at full capacity. That's a problem. And that combination of Kendra Miller and DeMarcado, I mean, you got the speed, you got the power. Uh, they, they have, looking at it from a Big 12 statistical standpoint, they have the most 10-plus yard rushes in the league with 50 OK, uh, so it, it's tough to imagine, you know, if, if you're trying to establish things on the West Virginia side, running the football, we know Tony Mathis is out. We don't know the status of Justin. There's some question marks there. Now, the West Virginia offensive line, yes, has delivered with a couple exceptions last week being one of them, Texas being another one uh, from a, a, a rush block grade standpoint. And this kind of matches up what you see on tape. We're number two in the Big 12 for pro, pro football focus, but we've been pretty effective, if, if not entirely consistent, okay? Uh, but pretty effective isn't necessarily going to get it done against when you're trying to keep pace with that TCU run game I just talked about. Now, the larger issue comes with this. Uh, from a tackling standpoint, this is the biggest turnaround I've seen in the league. A year ago, the TCU defense – was the worst graded tackling team in the Big 12. This year, they ranked number one in tackling grade. So it's been 
uh, a massive difference. When you look at a feature back by like Dominic Richardson in the Ohio, the Oklahoma State game, they held him to 3.3 yards per carry. So they can do some creative things with that uh, odd stack, as we know, to get at your run game. Now, Owen, one of the things that I'll find interesting, I do think that maybe with, with what they like to do, they like to funnel everything in your run game towards the safety much like odd stack defenses like to do and get that safety downhill in the alley. I mean, he'll start pre-snap, be 12 yards off the ball, and he'll make a tackle at the line of scrimmage because of the way they're they're trying to constrict everything and force you to bounce it into his alley. And then as soon as you get a beat on that, what they'll do is they'll kick him outside in coverage and trap the corner. And Owen knows by trap what I mean is the corner is actually going to have a run fit. So then you got to account for that. Sometimes maybe Owen what works against this is to balance out your zone schemes when you can gap scheme and run some counters and get those big bodies pulling out, climb into the second level against those trapping corners or against those safeties. Sometimes you can have success there, and I'm sure that's going to be part of our plan. But I think all things considered, looking at this big picture, especially with a healthy Max Duggan running the football, uh, that's where he's the biggest threat to me. Uh, He's run for, I don't remember how many it is, I lost track you know, moving the sticks on third now with his legs, red zone touchdowns. He's just a true threat. And they got a true two-headed monster in the run game uh, between Miller and DeMarcado. So I think I have to give the advantage on the ground to TCU. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, our D-line play has been, you know, especially last week, subpar. Um, tackling has not been our forefront the whole season, really except for maybe a few games up front, but it seems like we're progressively getting, um, I don't know. This is what's alarming to me, Jed, and maybe you could shed a a little bit of light on this. Are we physical at all in practice? Like we, to my understanding, are are we even taking like live reps? Are we taking, are we hitting? Certainly not to the extent that you're accustomed to. I mean, it, it's incredibly limited. I I just don't get like, I just have a hard time really trying to wrap my head around uh, how that type of football can be coached. Um, when you're having issues, you know, I understand they got a donut and a, and a, and a big rubber ball or whatever, and that's great and all to keep to, to learning. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I just, when, when do you, when do you say, all right, look, we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to have inside uh, run for three, four periods today. Okay. And we're going to see who wants to play. Right. It, it's not up or shut up. Um, there's just, there's just some alarming things. And I, and I understand this is a new way of coaching and uh, we're trying to take less um, blows off guys, but here's what I got to say too. You know, we're, you know, roughly halfway into the season and we're banged up regardless. So is it really, you know what I mean? In my, in my opinion, a callus is what's tough. Right, and you get a callus by by putting the work in, right? By tearing it down and, and building it back up. I just I don't know if we're as calloused as we should be, uh, and or and like you said, or accustomed to 
you know, West Virginia has always kind of prided itself on being a very physical blue collar team. Um, and I just don't see that from us. And, and, and where we are in the season right now, um, I just, I don't think we can get it done. I, I, I don't, I don't know what's going on. Well, I, I what's gonna, what, and I'll toss the West here, but I'll, I'll, I'll add this. What, what's going to lay bare every shortcoming that you have defensively? is a football game with 105 gradable snaps. Yeah. I mean, the, every every little shortcoming you have is going to be compounded. In other words, the way that game unfolded, we had 50-some-odd snaps we were on the field for in the first half, which in the old Big East days, that's a game. Yeah. We were on the field for a game by halftime, and it was 17-3. to three. And Wes pointed out in the last episode, at that point in the game, you could kind of say, heck, the defense is holding serve. We played 50-some snaps, and they're keeping them in this at 17-3. to three. Well, guess what? We both know that snaps 1 to 53 aren't the same as snaps 54 to 106 yeah. in terms of what it's like to play defense. And so when you get to snap 75, snap 80, snap 85, uh, we, we mentioned this in the last episode, fatigue makes cowards of us all. And all of a sudden – I don't know anybody that doesn't look soft at snap 103. <laughs> you know, it just it has a tendency. So for a unit that's already struggling in all those key areas that you talk yeah. about and doesn't have that hard edge, that that's just going to have a big bright spotlight shined on it, looking worse than it's ever looked when you start racking up that kind of snap count and say, hey, how about this week? We understand you're already struggling. And you don't look real like like you have a real hard edge to begin with. But how about we ask you to defend two games worth of snaps in one game and see if that if that works better for you? Well, it's never going to work better for you. It's, it's you know okay, and I and I understand that completely. But is, does that say is that is that what's going to be our excuse for the next team that runs up the snap count like that as well? Well, I tell you what, if we give up hundred snaps, I mean we beat Missouri with 100 snaps back in 2016, and we beat Texas with 100 snaps around the same time. And I remember building a graphic on that because it is so hard to beat teams that have 100 snaps. I mean, I took the time to put a whole graphic together because once that happens, you're not winning many games. If you don't get to that point. Okay, yes. So I guess what I'm saying, so is it our conditioning then? You know what I mean? Are we not in shape? Oh, I'm or is that just a brand of football that we just got to say that's going to be an L because these guys play fast tempo football? No, I'm going to say what you got to do is you got to go into that game and you say, okay, look, defensively, we have football. some shortcomings. You better run the football better so they can't get to 100 snaps. Yeah. You got to keep because our shortcomings oh, are going to get worse about last week, but as the game goes on, you know, it's so if they get to 100 snaps, whatever we look like at snap 50. And we might have problems at snap 50. It's going to look a whole lot worse at snap 100, you yeah. know. So if you can effectively run the football, and that's where you start to play that complementary style we always talk about and, and mitigate some of those snaps. Because, again, I think that that unit we had with Gibby back in 2016 was pretty salty. And they held serve. And they overachieved to – it was Drew Locke's first career start, strange to say now. I remember Missouri in that game had 100 snaps. And we beat them 26 to nine, you know, every game's different, but I do remember building that graphic and studying how many teams had faced hundred snaps in college football in the last year. And 
it doesn't go well for you when you give up 100 snaps. And that's for any defense, much less a defense that has holes in it like ours has had this year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and again, the way you cover that up is you run the football and with no Tony Mathis, with no James Gemitter, with Justin Johnson being questionable, not entirely sure we're going to be able to do that on Saturday. So I'll make it a clean sweep here and go with uh, TCU with the advantage on the ground as well, too, as we wrap this up. Jed, uh, teams, intangibles, where are you going? Yeah, I can be quick on this, but one final closing point on what you just talked about. The other way to offset the snap count, and this is what you can do defensively to control it, early in the game, win some of those fourth downs. Then you get off the field, right? That part's on you. Yeah. So, yeah, we got to offensively run the football to dictate the flow. But early in the game, especially when you still got some legs to you, how about winning some of those fourth downs to get some stops? That'll get them off the field and keep that snap count down. But now, jump into the special teams intangibles. Uh, yeah, okay, Casey Legs still hasn't missed. He put on quite a show with the rolling into the kicker the other day. <laughs> uh, and, yes, Oliver Straw was the special teams player of the week in the Big 12. But uh, when we've talked about this, how many times, you know, he's on fire. Once you reach a point as a football team that you are comfortable and confident that those around you are going to make a play to win the game and not cost you the game. That's where TCU is. I mean, they were down 30 to 16 to a good Oklahoma state team in the fourth quarter and they battled back and won that game. They yeah. were down 28 to 10 to a good Kansas state team. Now, yes, they knocked them out, and so much has been made about how many quarterbacks get knocked out this year and how many starters get knocked out either against TCU or where they played CCU, and TCU's caught some breaks, not playing everybody at full strength. But they were down 28-10 to 10 against K-State. Uh, yeah, points they were facing a third-string quarterback. You want to talk complimentary football? They scored 28 unanswered points to win the game 38-28. to 28. Now, that's what the offense did. You know what the defense did? During the time they scored those 28 points, the defense, you're talking about getting teams off the field, they faced 13 snaps. They got K-State off the field, and that's how they mounted that comeback. So that's the ultimate intangible. We've talked how many times that wins more games than anything else in football. When you believe in your teammates to that extent that you've turned a corner, that somebody's going to make a play to bail you out, and it doesn't always have to be me, that's yeah. where TCU is. Playing good football. Well said. Yeah. yeah. I I don't have much more to add. I think that's I think that's well said. That's where they're at. There's a reason that they're top ten in the country. There's a reason that they're undefeated. And they've had, as Jed mentioned, some some impressive wins in situations where it looked like, okay, this might be the time that they get got. Uh they've been able to find ways to make those plays and uh and get out of those stadiums with wins. I'm uh I'm going TCU is here as well. And I think Owen we're making it a, a clean sweep, correct? It's a clean sweep, but do you there think they'll take us seriously is my question. We knew going into Lubbock yes. that we were going to take their best shot because yes. they lost two straight, because they were hyper-focused with a bye week. TCU is coming off two ridiculously emotional wins. They're human. So to stay focused, you know, in, in light of what they just went through, that, that's, that's a tall challenge for – that's how teams lose this time of year. Because it is, but focused, you know, it is, but they are focused. That's why they won those football games. I mean, 
they they're doing the right things right now. They're making sure they're going to their classes. They're getting the right rest. They're eating the right foods. Their coaches are dialing them in correctly. Their game plans are on point. Regardless if they've had to come back in games, they have the confidence. That 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 is the end all be all for me. If you have that, I mean, there was times in that season when we ended up going. Uh, you know, it, it was the last year when we ended up, uh, be, you know, we were number two or whatever. Everything just fell in line. You know what I mean? Sometimes mm -hmm. that just happens. Sometimes it's just your year and stuff like that happens. Now, like you said, I get it. Hey, are they going to take us for granted? I think they know they're coming into Morgantown. They know it's a tough place to play. Uh, yeah, we're licking our wounds, but we also have bad body language on the field and that's tough to, that's tough to overcome. And as a player, when I see that, I get hungry. In other words, what I'm saying, Owen, is last week, my biggest concern was the circumstance. Irrespective of who Texas Tech was or wasn't, any team in that situation was going to give you one heck of a shot. Yeah, no, you know? I get that. And, and any and team I, in this situation, in other words, you're saying they're going to come in and they're going to be powder puff. Well, like, hey, I always say every team has, there's that. 12 versions of every team. There's 12 versions of us and there are 12 versions of every team we play from your best version to your worst version. What I'm saying is I can't imagine a scenario. I thought we might get Texas Tech's one or two version <laughs> based on the circumstances, the bye week, the two straight losses, the homecoming crowd. I don't feel that way about TCU and it might not take that. I just don't see us getting one of their, top two efforts of the season coming off what they came off of. I think they're a more talented team than Texas tech. That's what alarms me. That's what scares me. The circumstances aren't the same as what they were in Lubbock, but they might not have to be because they're better. TCU is a better team. Yeah. So that's well, here's the hoping I'll, I'd take it. If it's their 11th or 12th out of 12 <laughs> editions, so of their team, happen. I'll take it. I'll take if it. If our one or two lines up with their eleven or twelve, that's, but I that's also think too every the, week. the one the one last thing I would I would add to to what you guys just said there. Um, it feels to me, and maybe I'm just being in the moment here, but it feels to me that over over the the you know the the decade that we've been in the Big Twelve, um, we've had the most consistently back and forth matchups in football with TCU. I feel that's like. Fair. It's like every year is an epic game. There's been some big upsets on both sides. There's been game day games in there. Um, I realize I'm saying this, and last year was a was a 12 point win for WVU, but it feels like it's almost always down to the last possession. I felt closer um, than 12 points even last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I I agree with you, Jed, that uh, I don't think we'll get their you know their their A plus their 4.0 4 GPA yeah. performance. But I think I'm with Owen when I I I don't know if it'll take. Yeah. Um, anywhere close to their top two or three performances. Maybe if they're just average, that'll be enough for them. But we'll talk a little bit, a little bit more about that. It's late. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we return. Uh, we'll re we'll look back at last year's game. We'll do a little tail of the tape, all those things before we get out of here on the other side. You are listening to ITG, your new favorite WVU football podcast. We'll be right back after these words from our new friends at Fortis. For nearly 20 years, Fortis has been the nation's leader in providing guaranteed roof performance programs for commercial buildings. Fortis offers roof performance solutions that feature extensive initial and ongoing reconditioning for commercial buildings as an alternative to traditional replacement 
with long-term performance guarantees that are backed by global leader Lloyds of London. Fortis offers a comprehensive range of roof performance management programs that provide financial security, extend the life of our customers' roofs, and make a significant impact on ROI. Fortis is currently improving performance and increasing ROI for customers at more than 4,800 locations, with more than 140 million square feet protected, including many Fortune 500 companies that have turned to Fortis to save money, gain financial certainty, and extend the life of their existing roofs. Fortis has helped customers save more than $520 million in capital roof replacement costs for an average ROI of over 250%. To learn more, visit fortis.us.com. Fortis, roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed. Final segment in the gun here, our TCU preview as we begin to wrap this thing up. Jed, we always like to look back before we uh, continue to look ahead when they last met last year, 29-17 win for the Mountaineers in Fort Worth. What do you remember about that one here as we pull up the graphic? Well, you talked about it, Wes. So many of these games with TCU have been dogfights, and that was the case last year. Yeah, we might have stretched away toward the end, but, I mean, this was another battle. Uh, you know, it was 20-17 to 17 at the half. This was a game we were coming out of a bye, okay, and this was kind of – uh, the coming out party for our run game. It was uh, when our O-line started to show its first signs of continuity from playing together up to that point in the season. It, it started to come together. Uh, Tony Mathis, that's the first we saw between the lines on game day, what he was capable of. We saw some of it in practice before that, but that's when he came out as a terrific compliment for Letty. Uh, you know, we played pitch and catch just enough. Jarrett made some plays through the air. Uh, we were just efficient enough, converted about half our third down, some were really key spots, but we held them scoreless in the second half. You know, what's the likelihood of that happening again? You know, yeah. so yeah. I'll tell you what. Hey, if we uh, do that on Saturday, I really like our chances. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Yeah, that changes the whole dynamic and narrative, right? But, uh, yeah, we kind of felt each other out. What looked like was going to be a shootout for the first couple quarters turned out not to be one at all and things slowed down in the second half. But uh, once again, we won the turnover margin. You know, we were plus three. We forced three and had none, committed none. We're facing a team, guys, we've talked about this. They've committed four turnovers all year. They've thrown one pick all year. Does that mean that's going to continue, or does that mean they're due? Do the numbers have to play out at some point? I mean, we all know how sports numbers tend to – I mean, all water levels out at some point, right? Is this the week? that they, they turn it over two, three, four times and those numbers balance out? Or do they have some record-setting off, efficient offense that will go down in the record books as one with the fewest turnover? I don't know, but that's where I remember from last year. Well, Jed, let's take a look at the tail of the tape here. That, of course, is brought to you by our friends at High Street Prints. Make sure you're going to highstreetprintshop.com for all your printing and merchandise needs. Checking out our ITG gear, our in-the-gun merch at itgfootball.com. Uh, you want to start with WVU offense or WVU defense here, let's Jed? Start WVU offense versus ECU okay. defense. Pull up the graphic. Yeah. A lot of this we've talked about, some of these things statistically, a course of performance like last week, you're going to take some major hits and drop. Um, one of the areas that we took a major hit is third down efficiency. You know, we were a 50% third down offense going into Lubbock last week, which made us one of the more efficient third down teams in the country. Uh, a week ago, we were 4 of 14. Uh, so when you compare that to what TCU is doing defensively, 
again, consider the starting point. I mean, I think Joe Gillespie has done a pretty good job with his TCU defense. They're in the middle of the pack. Nothing's going to jump out at you statistically about anything they're doing. When you look at these rankings in the Big 12, fifth, sixth, seventh, seventh, sixth, but consider the starting point. Again, this, this defense that he started with last year was atrocious. And, you know, one thing that jumps out to me, and this is another reason that I went with our pass game over their pass game. Imagine being O'Shawn Mathis. He was an elite edge rusher for them last year, okay? Yep. Imagine what he'd be doing and the hype that he'd be getting on this unbeaten TCU team instead of being lost in anonymity in Lincoln, Nebraska right now, right? Uh, but they lost just about every pro productive point that they had last year. And Joe Gillespie was forced to start from scratch. And he's done a pretty good job of doing that. You know, he didn't have the personnel and that even front scheme that he inherited to really start, you know, right out of the gates uh, with a flawless odd stack. But he's found a way to mix and match and move guys here and personnel shift down there. And that's kind of what he's done. And, and it's good enough to hold serve defensively as this dynamic offense has outscored people. Yeah, uh, without a doubt, uh, they and they are dynamic, certainly. So how does the WVU defense fare against that dynamic TCU offense? That's just it. For all the categories that we talked about being marginal or middle of the pack, as you, as you look at uh, TCU's offensive numbers here, uh, they're all elite. I mean, in every key category, uh, look at this, first in the conference, first in the conference, first in the conference, yards per play, total yards per game, points per game. Uh, pass yards per game. You talk about balance. They're throwing for 295 a game. They're running for 227 a game. Uh, you know, and, and you know what? Shout out to Max Duggan. This is a guy who lost his job to Chandler Morris. Okay. Lost his job. Didn't complain. Didn't look anybody sideways. You know, stayed true to what he was, who he is, and uh, won the job back, you know? And uh, so great job by him. And uh, he's just been productive, and he's been the, the tip of the spear, Owen, for this for this offense, which has been dynamic from from soup to nuts this year. Dude, TCU, this this graphic that you uh, came up with is is quite depressing, actually, uh, because they <laughs> look like an absolute, they look like an absolute juggernaut on paper. Um, yes, but yeah, man, I mean. It, which WVU team is going to come to play? That's what I'm more worried about. If, you know, TCU is going to bring it. You know, if we show up, yeah, it's going to be a game. If we don't show up and we did what we did last week, it's going to be ugly. So. Mm -hmm. well what Rich used to tell us, Owen? They yes, will sir? embarrass you. Yeah. Rod used to tell. They will embarrass you. They will embarrass you, dude. They if will. You do this or do that. They will embarrass you. This is nobody, a they will embarrass you game, you know. Nobody wants to get embarrassed on homecoming, that's for sure. All right, Jed, what's the score projection look like? What do you got for us? What'd you cook up in the lab there? Uh again, when you look at the uh, point spread, uh seven and a half or so over under 70. Uh, similar to what we were looking at from a projection standpoint last week. I hope that's not a harbinger of things to come, but uh, that projects out to like a 38-31 TCU win as far as projections go. In other words, Vegas is expecting obviously a lot of points, something about a one-possession game. Let's see how it plays out, but that's where we're at. 
That's where we're at. Before we uh, before we go here, we did have a poll up on our Twitter account at In the Gun Podcast, brought to you by our friends at Toothman Ford. Which feature of the TCU offense concerns you the most heading into Saturday's matchup in Morgantown? The leader with nearly fifty percent of the vote is that they have fourteen plays of forty plus yards, which is top five in the FBS. Uh, number two, seven point four yards per play. That's fourth overall in the FBS. And number three, that they have just four turnovers, which is also uh, top five in the FBS at third. There were some other votes here as well, too. The winner, though, for the best comment goes to Tyler, who tweeted, TCU has a quarterback who can throw the ball to a wide receiver. That alone is a big enough task to face for this Mountaineer secondary. A lot of good answers there, but Tyler with the uh, with the winner here on this edition of ITG. This has been episode 21 of your new favorite WVU football podcast. Thanks again to our friends at Bet Online for presenting this episode of In the Gun. That'll do it. Happy Halloween, everybody. Enjoy yourselves. Have a good time this weekend. If you're down in Morgantown, soak it all in. Bring the bring the noise. Be rowdy there at uh, at Milan Pushkar Stadium at Mountaineer Field, and uh, and let's hope for some of that jet optimism. Let's hope there's some uh, some honked <laughs> off Mountaineers, and let's hope maybe it's not the most you know A plus buttoned up performance from TCU. Maybe we catch them on a C plus kind of B minus day there, and we can uh, go get a a big top ten victory and write another chapter in that history of some uh, some fun football weekends over Halloween Optimism and October and more. comes in the form of we've won 10 games against ranked teams after losing. Well, Can I mean, we you know, Chad, I mean, come yeah. on. I mean, I was just trying to get out of here with some positivity, and you got to right. just take the big Yoshi hammer and just – Let's see if we right get to number 11. Line. It's all about number 11. Our right. knobs go to 11. These go to 11. Thanks, What's sir. the point of going to 10? These go to 11. Last thing, be an ear, tell an ear. That's all we ask of you about your new favorite WVU football podcast. Tell uh, tell a Mountaineer about the good word here of ITG, itgfootball.com, uh, at In The Gun Podcast, wherever you do your social media and on YouTube if you want to see our beautiful mugs. That'll do it for this edition. Win, lose, or draw. Well, they can't draw because it's college football, but we'll be back here next week, as always, to break it all down for uh, for you all here. Uh, as we will hopefully have better things to talk about, but we'll see Saturday at high noon. For Owen Schmidt and Jed Dritting, I'm Wesley Euler. Thanks, as always, for rocking and rolling with us, folks. You've been in the gun. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.